may be seated. Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Our mission as a church is essentially to live and teach the love of Jesus Christ. You can find the complete mission statement on the front of your worship bulletin each week. If we say this is what we do, then it's important that we have a picture of what it looks like to live and to teach the love of Jesus Christ. Last week, we took a broad view of the topic, seeing how multifaceted the love of Christ is. This morning, we focus on just one facet, being humble. I say that humility is one characteristic of Jesus and of the love he teaches us. In some places in the Gospels, Jesus explicitly lifts up the quality of humility, and in other places, like in today's reading, the quality of humility is implied rather than explicit. The flow of these eight verses in this morning's scripture reading gives us something like a progression toward humility. We start with the disciples having too low a sense of themselves. We begin with the disciples seeming to be embarrassed by their lack of understanding. The disciples don't understand what Jesus is saying, and they're afraid to ask him about what they don't understand. It looks like maybe they feel stupid. Last year, a college friend of mine had an article published that sounded really interesting to me. She'd posted an announcement about the publication on Facebook and had even offered to send copies to anyone who was interested. The topic sounded interesting enough to me that I took her up on it and asked her to send a copy, and she did. My friend is a professor on the Faculty of Arts and Sciences at Harvard University. I received her article, and I really couldn't read it. The language was so densely academic that I would have had to work really, really hard and read really, really slowly in order to grasp what she was saying. Now, for an insightful and creative biblical interpretation or theological model, I might work that hard. But for something that far outside my field, the topic had seemed interesting to me, but not that interesting. So I gave up. And I'll admit, it made me feel kind of dumb. So I'm guessing that when the disciples couldn't understand what Jesus was trying to teach them, it might have made them feel kind of stupid. And that doesn't feel good. And they weren't able to admit what, that they didn't understand. At least they couldn't admit it to Jesus. The passage says that in the face of not understanding, they were afraid to ask him. From that low point of the disciples not being able to grasp Jesus' teaching... We move to the opposite extreme, where each disciple wants to be the greatest of all. They each want to be greatest, and they get into an argument about it. So the disciples' argument over who was the greatest is juxtaposed directly with being too embarrassed to admit what they don't understand. What an image of extremes. The disciples are either dumb and embarrassed or greatest of the great. Neither of these extremes represent humility. After the argument, we get the idea that Jesus has read the disciples' minds. Jesus' response sounds like a direct response to the disciples' argument. And how does Jesus respond? First, with some words that undermine the disciples' dreams of greatness. 
Jesus says that the one who wants to be great, the one who wants to be first, must be last of all and servant of all. And Jesus' response continues. He takes a child into his arms and talks to his disciples about what it means for a follower of Jesus to welcome a child. And Jesus says that welcoming God means welcoming a child. Jesus is giving us one picture of what it means to be humble. In some viewpoints, humility has a bad reputation. Some dictionary definitions of humility are horrible and reinforce the unfortunate view that humility has to do with inferiority. But that's not actually the view of contemporary psychology, and it's certainly not the Christian view of humility. In 2011, the convention of the Association for Psychological Science featured a panel on humility. Among other things, the panel defined humility as having an accurate sense of oneself. Not an inferior sense, but a realistic sense. They described humility as the opposite of narcissism. They said that a humble person has a sturdy sense of self. A significant theme through the discussion was that a humble person has a balanced sense of his or her place in the grand scheme of things. So therefore, by definition, a humble person realizes that there is a grand scheme of things that relative to a universe of phenomena and possibility, each of us inhabits a rather simple and modest place in the midst of it all. This sense of perspective and this sturdy sense of self allow a humble person to be more open to perspectives that contradict their own perspective. One word a panelist used to describe the quality of a humble person's self-awareness was decentered. This word decentered for me brought back the philosophy of the model we used for our small group gatherings here in the season of Lent. Each small group focused around a center space, set up something like an altar. The center space held sacred symbols representing God's presence. That structure for a group meeting is specifically designed to remind everyone at every gathering that God is, in fact, at the center of what we say and do in our meetings, in our conversations, and in our whole lives. The circle model for group process does what the psychologists on the panel described in terms of a humble person's self-awareness. The circle decenters each one of us in a healthy and helpful way by symbolically placing God at the center of what we do. This psychological perspective on humility isn't the same as a Christian perspective, but it is consistent with a Christian perspective. The issue in today's scripture reading is status. The disciples are hoping for high status as they argue over who is the greatest. Then Jesus offers a different status, the status of one who serves. And Jesus goes on to embrace one of low status, a child, and to use that as an illustration for how we welcome God's presence with us. In the society and culture of Jesus' time and place, a child would have no social status. It's the child's complete lack of social status that Jesus uses to make his point. Jesus takes a child into his arms and then uses that child to make a point about how we welcome God into our lives. We learn from Jesus that being, a reflection, that being humble is a reflection of the love of Jesus Christ, 
Specifically, being humble helps us reflect Jesus' love as we live together in community. Jesus' illustrations of being a servant and embracing a child ask us to change how we relate to social status. So if we believe that humility asks us to lower ourselves, as some definitions suggest, it is lowering ourselves only in the sense of social status. And this makes sense to us as Christians. Jesus shows over and over again that he does not value systems of social status. Over and over again, Jesus radically challenges systems of social status. So yes, in the face of those systems and their hierarchical values, Jesus would ask us to lower ourselves, to be last, not first. But this never lowers our inherent worth, because that rests only on knowing that we are all God's children. This is the Christian foundation for what those psychologists call a sturdy sense of self. Our sense of self rests upon knowing ourselves as children of God. So Jesus challenges structures of social status. But Jesus' call to be last and servant, Jesus' call to embrace a child, also apply more broadly than that. This picture of humility helps us see some qualities of love that we hope for in Christian community. So yes, we welcome God when we let go of our concern over status. But we also welcome God when we let go of feeling stupid or afraid when we don't understand. Our scripture shows us that that's a barrier to the disciples being able to embrace God more fully. So we learn that we welcome God when we're willing to admit the things we don't understand, when we're willing to be vulnerable. We welcome God when we have the humility within ourselves to acknowledge that we don't have all the answers. We welcome God when we bring questions rather than answers, when we bring curiosity and sincere interest in what we don't already know. We welcome God when we let go our worries over being stupid or not understanding. We also welcome God when we let go of wanting to be great. This, too, is a barrier to the disciples being able to fully embrace God. So we welcome God when we can let go of being in charge or getting our way, all those things that seem to go with this status of greatness. We welcome God when we take ourselves out of the center of our own concern and strive to give God that center space. So here we are, hoping to live in Christian community together, hoping to reflect the love of Jesus Christ in the ways we live in Christian community. And the one who wants to be first must be last, and we welcome one like a child to show how we welcome God in our midst. Jesus paints us this picture of humility. As we practice being humble, we become a church community that does indeed reflect the love of Jesus Christ. Let us humbly make space for one another, always giving God the center space as we live the love of Jesus Christ together. Amen.